And I speak in the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So, the Bible. As we continue our series on doubting, uh, today we're thinking about doubting the Bible. Um, and uh, I won't ask you to put your hand up, because I'm sure everyone would, but uh, if I ask the question, is there something in the Bible that you doubt is true? Uh, I'm sure, um, go on, let's have a show of hands. Anyone think there's a, something, one, one little thing that you doubt is true? Okay, a few of you are awake. Um, You've heard me talk about the Bible before, and this is not going to be a 15-minute lecture on how the Bible is made up, um, but if you'd like to know more about anything I say, then, uh, then come back to me, and I will, um, I'll do my best to connect you with some resources. Um, but I want to talk about three things today, and they all start with E, so I've made it really easy. Easy isn't one of them, it does start with E, but it's really easy for you to follow along this week uh, if you like things that start with the same letter. I know some people like to write down um, sermons. So the three headings are evidence, engagement, and experience. And we could look at them in any order, but I'm going to start with evidence because some of us like evidence. Uh, the Alpha course, if you've um, done the Alpha course or seen any of the Alpha videos, you'll know that they love talking about evidence. And I think the reason that they love talking about evidence is because Nicky Gumbel, who made the course popular, about 28 million people have done it around the world now, um, as he made the course popular, but he's a barrister by background and his entire family are. So, so that was his mindset. And so some of us here today and online will be evidence people. Uh, we want to know what is the evidence. Um, so, very quickly, if you're doubting the Bible and you're asking that question, what is the evidence that this actually is the Word of God? And, and there's, there's a lot more I could talk about than five minutes, but um, there is something called um, textual criticism um, and uh, um, textual variances. So, when the Bible was first written, they hadn't invented the printing press. That happened about 1,500 years later, around the time of the Reformation, um, and... So what they would do, as you probably know, is they would take a manuscript, uh, one of the letters, and they would copy them out by hand. Uh, and the people who copied them out were called scribes because they, they wrote out and copied uh, the manuscripts out. It's said that there are more um, variances in all the manuscripts of the New Testament uh, than there are words in it. That is to say that every time one of these was copied, it wasn't copied perfectly. Every time it was copied, it wasn't copied perfectly. 99.8%, um, as in almost all, of the uh, variances between the texts that were produced, uh, that, that we know of, 99.8% of them um, don't have any significance at all. Uh, so it will be a spelling mistake. Um, I know um, as uh, my dad's been looking at family history of the Edgerton family, um, and uh, through the ages, it seems there's been a real confusion about how you spell the word Edgerton. Uh, sometimes it's E-D-G, sometimes it's E-G. Um, and you see the same people, they would be at a census one year with one spelling, 10 years later they're back for another census and they've got a different spelling. Uh, they seem to be different from, from when they're born to when they're uh, married to, to the death certificate. There would be different spellings of the name. Uh, so you have to use more than just um, saying, well, it can't be the same family because because the name is spelt differently, to work out, uh, are we actually connected? Uh, and so it's true um, in, in the manuscripts we have for the Bible, is that, that many of the copies, there were small errors that were made, um, and, but these errors are largely not significant. Um, and actually it's really helpful when you have so many um, 
different manuscripts there uh, because the science of textual criticism comes in and you can start to say, well, um, when I say you, I mean, it's probably not you and it's probably not me. That's a bad figure of speech, isn't it? Academics can do this because they spend their life doing it and they'll compare the different versions uh, of the manuscripts they have and they'll try and work out uh, you know, w which is authentic and which is not. An example of one that, that, that they're largely confused about but almost think they're not is the end of Mark's gospel. If you look at the end of Mark's gospel, you'll find uh, that it has um, what's known as the longer ending and the shorter ending. And all the scholars agree that the, the stuff in the shorter ending is correct. Uh, and most of them think that the longer ending of Mark's gospel uh, is in fact um, not correct. It might have, it might have crept in somehow. Um, and yet they put it in there because they're not 100% sure. Uh, so as we read our Bible, um, we cannot check our brains at the door. We have to bring our brains with us. I don't know if anyone here takes a multivitamin. Uh, I've got mine here. Um, I've got my multivitamins. There are 55. That's the French side. Let's read the English side, David. Uh, there are 55 essential nutrients with real food extracts in here. This is not product placement. Um, this is my genuine vitamins, um, which I forgot to take this morning because <laughs> I put them in my bag to bring to church. Uh, but I take these multivitamins um, almost every day when I remember. Anyone else admits taking vitamins? You know, and with the COVID thing that's going on at the moment, I feel particularly... Um, I just want to hedge my bets. I want to cover my bases. And if you read the ingredients, which you need very good glasses to do, uh, you'll see that it's got beta-carotene and vitamin A and vitamin D3, sorry, vitamin C, vitamin E, and on it goes. Tomato extract, there you go, interesting. Um, all sorts of things in there. And actually, if I studied each one of these, I might find there are some bits of it that, um, that I don't really need probably don't need any calcium because I drink so much milk because I love eating breakfast cereal. I eat breakfast cereal for lunch, breakfast, and dinner. It's not very healthy. Um, but I love eating cornflakes. Um, there you go. Um, and uh, so I probably don't need the calcium, but yet I, I can't take it out. And so sometimes we come to the Bible and we say, well, there are all these different things in the Bible. Um, there's a bit I don't like. And my suggestion is, that we swallow it whole, just like we might with our multivitamins. We swallow it whole because we need to experience it. So there's all sorts of evidence for the Bible being uh, the way it is um, and us knowing that it's true. Um, and secondly, we need to experience it. We just need to take it sometimes. Um, and a lot of people will criticize the Bible from a place of ignorance. That sounds harsh, you might be thinking. It's 9, 12 in the morning. When I say ignorance, as in, they haven't read it. If you haven't read the Bible, it's quite easy to say, well, I'm not interested in that stuff. But as you start to read the Bible in its full context, um, as you experience it, uh, then you see the value in it. Um, and as you, as you see the value in it, you can see it coming uh, useful in your life. So as we read the Bible, I would encourage you to do something, um, uh, something like ignore all the numbers. I think one of the biggest problems I have with the Bible is that it's full of chapter numbers and verse numbers. And no other book, let's be honest, has got a number at every sentence. You know, wait, 
I've read, I've, I've read 10 verses of the Bible, I feel like I've made a massive achievement. If I've read any other book and I read 10, sentence of it, 10 sentences of it, I would feel like I'd just barely skimmed it. But yet somehow, because they've put all these numbers in the Bible, it can feel like it's taking an awfully long time to read, you know. I've read three chapters of the Bible, and what did it take you, five minutes? The reason all of those are there, going back to the, uh, the textual criticism and the original manuscripts, was because scholars, academics, have spent years trying to work out exactly which bit is which bit. So they're really helpful in some ways. But if you're just trying to get into scripture and read it, I would suggest you ignore those numbers and just read. Like the multivitamin, take a good diet of the Bible and swallow it whole. And as you do, you can pray and think about and experience uh, what the words of Scripture will say. So we have evidence, um, we have experience, um, and then we have engagement. Engagement is about actually doing something with it. You know, I'd heard of pumpkin pie before I married a Canadian, but I'd never tasted pumpkin pie. And I remember the first Thanksgiving that I experienced, which was in England, um, and, uh, and Bridget was determined to make some pumpkin pie. And you have no idea, if you've never done it, how hard it is to find a tin of pumpkin with which to make pumpkin pie in England in October. Now, there's quite a few Americans living in Britain, um, but it seems that there's less Canadians around. So, so, so a lot of the stores, we'd go in to try and find this tin of pumpkin so she could make pumpkin pie and show me what it was, what it was like. Uh, for those of you watching at home, a motorbike's just roared past. And uh, there's a verse, isn't there, in the Old Testament, the roar of Moses' triumph went through the land. Yeah, terrible joke. Um, I've used it before. Um, what was I talking about? Pumpkin pie. So... Um, the, the, the tin of pumpkin, and we'd go into these stores that had specialty kind of food from around the world, and, uh, and they'd say, yeah, we, we've got pumpkin coming in for American Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving's not yet. <laughs> you can imagine, it, it got a bit annoying after a while. But in the end, we got the tin of pumpkin, uh, Bridget made a pumpkin pie, um, and all of us, uh, myself and my family, uh, who, who had never experienced this great tradition of pumpkin pie, um, managed to experience eating it. Um, and it's that experience, it's that engagement with that, that makes it, it work. Because, to be honest, we were all quite skeptical. I, I imagine most people here have grown up with pumpkin pie, but, but if you haven't, the concept of, of a large vegetable that's completely tasteless in a pie for dessert, you, you know, it, it doesn't quite, anyway. But then when you eat it with the whipped cream and everything, it's amazing. Um, as we come to the Bible, I want to say we need to experience it, we need to engage with it, and if you find that you've struggled to read the Bible for years, as I have, uh, use an audio Bible. Get a, if you like reading but you find that the, the language of it and the, the way it's formatted and the numbers are distracting, um, then, uh, then get Eugene Peterson's The Message. Um, it's not a, a perfect translation, but it's a great way to read and to get the sense of what's going on in Scripture. Um, we've got copies in the bookshop, and if you want one, you'll have to ask someone on the welcome desk because the bookshop's kind of past the COVID zone and is closed, but uh, we'll, we'll help you with that. Um, 
But I, I really want to encourage us, uh, if we have doubts about the Bible, to, to come at those doubts with a place like I did with the pumpkin pie of trying it. Try it. You'll find that it's a lot less fattening than pumpkin pie, especially with the whipped cream and there's less sugar. But as you experience the Bible, as you engage with it more and more, uh, it, it really gives a, an understanding of, of how God has related with his people through time. You know, it's not just a list of laws and things to live by. It's a story of history. It's a story of a people who kept trying and kept getting it wrong. They kept trying and they kept getting it wrong. And God kept trying to reach out and reach out and reach out. And he had to find different ways to do it that made sense at the time. And the ultimate way he reached out was in Jesus. And so we see as Jesus comes and in the gospel reading, which many of us are familiar with, we see Jesus saying all the stuff in the, the law and the prophets, which means um, the first bit of the Bible. So, so the law is the, the beginning and then the prophets. That's the first, kinda, first chunk of the Bible, about that much. That stuff in the law and the prophets. Then you have the writings and other things, but... Um, this is a plug now, not for vitamins, but for a book, How to Read the Bible, Book by Book, by Fee and Stewart, and How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth, by them as well. Um, if you want to um, get more into the Bible and understand the different genres, the different vitamins that are part of the multivitamin that is the Bible, uh, I recommend these two books. Um, one of them is, is, talks about the, the textual criticism and how it's all put together, um, and then the one that's called Book by Book, unsurprisingly, is a as a commentary that goes through book by book and says, okay, so in this bit, here's what's happening. Uh, so that is a quick plug, and those are available in the bookshop. Um, but as we, as we see from Jesus, he says not one iota will pass away. Um, in the Greek language, an iota is a, is a tiny little piece of a letter that will make the sound of a word change completely. Not one piece passes away, said Jesus. I have come not to abolish the law and the prophets. I've not come to get rid of all that and say it's different now. I've come as the fulfillment of it. I've come to say all that happened in the past, it's all come together in me. And so as Jesus came to live among people like us all those years ago, he came to say, I am the one who brings all this together. And yes, it makes sense. So you need to read it and understand it. But it's all summarized in the words that Melody said at the start of this service and every service we say it. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So let that be the multivitamin that we take Week by week as we come to church, let that be the vitamin we take as we, as we hear or read the Bible. And we don't know what every single vitamin in the tub is going to do in supporting our body or when we're going to need it even in our life. But we know that we need to take it whole. And as we do that, as we experience God's word and the freedom it brings... It brings us life and life in all its fullness. Does that mean we don't need to doubt it? Carry on doubting. But don't leave the doubt on the shelf. Take it down, dust it off, and get reading. Amen.